When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> So hey everybody, welcome to episode 325 of the More Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Oh. They didn't say on the line though. Yeah, no. no. Like that. Alrighty. Well, it's been a few uh, moons since we had a last show. We've, we've done, like, we did two Clubhouse events, which people didn't come to, but uh, that's okay. Clubhouse is new. And, uh, but for those of you who don't know, we do have a Clubhouse club called MTJC iOS Development and uh, yeah, if you ping us, we can. We have, I have a few invites to give out, so we can we can set some clubhouse stuff up there. But with that in mind, Jaime has a follow up from our first clubhouse meeting. Yeah, I actually will throw in a, a real time follow up or real time fact check, I guess, because almost certainly somebody will will be you know a wise person and say, well, it hasn't been that many moons; it's only been one, and that's actually true. Although the one intent moon? of oh. your statement there was you know uh, <laughs> more, more accurate than the literal take on it. Uh, so, because uh, what? There's only one moon, or it's a 28 day cycle. Where, where are you going? With yeah, because yeah, we, we haven't reached, you know, we haven't reached more than fractional moons beyond one. You're going okay. by, by, you know, uh, new. Uh, moons. Okay, then maybe I should have said sleeps, right? Then instead of moons, right? sleeps. Just a way of counting, a lot of counting sleeps. the days. Alrighty, I, I, you know, it's, you know, we have to go fact check that because I don't know actually when the expression how many moons it's been. Whether it's actually are they counting 28 day cycles as in months, or are they counting individual days, which is what I always thought it was. Hmm. Uh, developers. Okay, carry on. Alrighty. So uh, on the clubhouse, I think I had made the statement about Jenkins being originally named Hudson, which is the name that I first remember right. getting involved for You know what Jenkins does. And uh, we didn't know why um, on the air for that, but I, I looked it up. So Wikipedia has the answer here that the Jenkins project was originally named Hudson and was renamed after a dispute. 
with Oracle, which had forked the project and claimed rights to the project name. So, um, so Jenkins Hudson, is still a free open source tool that people could use? Yeah, and it was free and open source when it was Hudson. And then I, I didn't follow the, you know, we'll have the links in the show notes. So those of you driving at home really want to dig into what I assume is the drama related to Oracle having some sort of um, claimed rights over the project name. Uh, I mean, this is bare amount ago. So the open source community has changed quite a bit in the intervening um, or the subsequent decade. So um, Hudson's uh, no longer maintained. So Oracle's Hudson is obsolete as of February of 2017. But Jenkins is still still going strong. So for those of people who don't know what Jenkins is, it, it basically, I mean, the way, the way I know of it is we use it for doing our Xcode builds, right? Like we, I guess we have a bunch of servers that have Xcode on them and they run, you know, the, what's the, what's the XC, Xcode build commands, right? Is that what people are using Jenkins for? Do you know? People are still using it for continuous integration, continuous delivery type stuff. Um, not my area of expertise to sort of really tease apart whether it truly fits both of those, but sort of anecdotally when people are like, oh, what do you use for CI CD? Usually an answer is Jenkins, right? Like, okay, you know, we've got our, our Android project being built off of this, iOS projects, uh, web deployments and other things might go through Jenkins. There's other tools out there. Uh, again, not my area of expertise, but sort of a, you know, pretty basic thing that somebody will have if they have continuous integration or continuous delivery at all, meaning they're not doing it off of somebody's laptop. Probably, yeah. probably Jenkins at a minimum. They might have other things, yeah. of course. Yeah. I'm safe in saying that, you know, it, it allows you to build print or like queues of, of, of jobs that you send your builds over to. Um, let me just think how you do that. I guess, yeah, it ties in with our, with our, uh, uh bit bucket, right? And, um, you know, when you, when you create a PR, it runs off and takes it and runs a build, um, with a specific configuration that we use for publishing or for, for development testing and stuff like that, right? And, you know, you can put in certificates and have it signed. It's kind of a workflow deal where you can create these pipelines that will take the, the, the commands and basically run specific builds. So you can create custom builds, like if you need to make a build that you know, has this data set in it or something like that, or this signed with this certificate, or as opposed to that certificate, you can set up queues for that kind of stuff. And like like you said, you can you can have it do the Android build and the Xcode build, and I think even Java builds at the same time, like for, for Node.js and stuff like that. If they, I don't know if they publish one of those um, JVM sort of things, right? Um, you, can set, you can set up Jenkins with a bunch of scripts to do that kind of stuff. So that's what it does. That's why it's used for continuous integration and stuff like that, right? So Yeah, it's got a bunch of plugins that let you do other things. Um, it is sort of the jack of all trades and master of none in terms of there being, you know, better, more focused tools or some of the pieces that Jenkins is trying to do. But if, you know, again, for the kiddos out there, they're like, oh, everything's in the cloud and click, click, click. Like, let me tell you, having worked in places in my career where literally if this one laptop had fallen into the river, we would not have been able to ship our software and getting things to the, okay, at the very least source control is in the cloud. Okay, great. Now the next thing is, can we get a clean build server? That's not my laptop to be able to do builds from. So the, you know, it works on my machine problem tends to go away. And again, you run, um, you know, when you run something like Jenkins, you have some sort of repeatable build that you can do. You don't have to worry about the, this thing fell in the river and oh no, we have to spend a week to a month trying to figure out how this build process works, right? It, it helps you with that. There's, you know, tests that you can run automated scripts and etc. But it's um, it, it, it's actually taking me back here thinking about this. Like, oh my gosh, the initial release is 2011. So when I was using it on a project, um, it must have been fairly new for that split with uh, with Hudson. Right. 
Cool. All righty. Well, the next item up here, um, again, we talked about it on the clubhouse, but we'll talk about it here because people who weren't there didn't hear us. Um, but I found this link here uh, called Five Game-Changing iPhone Hacks for 2021 from uh, Mashable. And, and the reason I posted this was not about the all the five tricks, but one one in particular, which had to do with uh, its follow up, following up on our talk about using uh, iOS 14.5 and Watch 7 something or other that will allow you to unlock your phone with a face mask on. Right. So, um, and and on the video, she goes through the steps to enable the uh, the unlocking with the watch, um, which is the, which is where the magic happens. Right. So, um, presumably, it's you who's wearing the watch and <laughs> you who's holding the phone. Um, I'm not sure if it does do any sort of face tracking at all, like eyeball tracking, but but does go through how how Apple's built that workaround. But the other things that it covers off in this article are the location tracking stuff that we were talking about, where you know I wasn't sure what I mean the ad tracking thing where you can you can opt in and out of things and and the question is if you tr- like on my phone i have allow apps to request to track off right and we were debating whether what what that meant and she answered that this is in fact the uh this means that i'm i'm not being tracked if i if that's the choice i use right um a couple of other things that she had in the video that were interesting were oh and fixing your typos and of course you know mark pointed out that we have talked about this on the show but i was just too slow to catch it and that's if you're you know when you're trying to struggle with the new way the when you select a piece of text and it, it puts a curse or a beam on either side and highlights the word and I always have trouble trying to figure out how to get the cursor to go and the trick is if you hold the space bar down on the iPhone screen it turns into a single be- a bar and you can move it around anywhere on the screen without lifting your finger and you can place the cursor where you want and continue to edit your your badly typed tweet and that kind of stuff so but Mark pointed out in the clubhouse that duh Tim we talked about this before Click a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I'm now using that trick now that Good. I've learned. And yeah. I've, I've also, by the way, it doesn't work on the iPad with the with the Magic Keyboard. Magic, you know, the Magic Keyboard doesn't work that way. So no, it does Mind not. You still have, yeah, but it has a trackpad, so you can you can put your cursor yeah. wherever you want on iPad Pro. Okay, are Next you liking time? your Magic Trackpad, by the way? Oh, I use magic it all the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the 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 one thing that came out of the pandemic purchase that I made, uh, bar none, is is the is this Magic Keyboard. I use it. I use I use it for my WebEx from meetings at work, and I also mm-hmm. use it for um, office tools, right? So I run Teams uh, on here. Um, so if I'm in a meeting, a Teams meeting or a WebEx meeting, I run it off the iPad exclusively. I don't have to worry about VPN or anything like that because the, the tools all work, you know, with Microsoft authentication or with WebEx authentication without, yeah. you know. The only problem then, with that is that the camera is on the left edge or the right yeah, edge, that's right? True. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it always looks like you're looking off in the wrong direction when you try to do that we don't um i think just because of bandwidth we don't and you know in contention and stuff of that we don't tend to have meetings with video turned on we use it we use oh, it for screen sharing like we share like a document or something but we generally don't have a video on for our conversation or for our conferences this is actually something i'm interested in because i've i've experienced the same thing so we we tend to use it for everything video for everything but i've had uh various meetings with like a, a group that's at a different site you know within my company and found that they don't use video during their calls or I've had other calls with people at different companies and sometimes they do sometimes they don't it would be it would kind of be an interesting study to see you know what the what the distribution of of, of usage is in this kind of stuff how about you Hami? What, what do you guys do my well it's, it's kind of weirdly split so my organization within the company tends to be video on all the time mm-hmm. but when we deal with other organizations within the company they tend to be audio only mm-hmm. and even within our audio on all the time 
uh, bit of approach as the months went by in the pandemic, folks started saying, you know what, there is a thing of just getting fatigue from staring at a bunch of postage stamp sized faces, always looking at you. Um, mm-hmm. And you're also and, looking at yourself too, right? Yeah. And so if you, if you need or just want to go audio only, it's up to you. Um, I, mm-hmm. I tend to go video on all the time unless there's some like really big circumstance because I kind of like people being able to see me gesturing in the air. I like them to see the look on my face when I make statements so that there's more mm-hmm. flavor and nuance. But, um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I don't have kiddos running around in the background. I don't have, um, you know, uh, a, a small apartment where we're like scrunched up with my significant other right behind me or, you know, think of a million other reasons why people might not want to be on video all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I do think the the study of the psychological effects and the organizational ways of handling things will be interesting because I, I don't think it will be one size fits all. Um, I'm very critical of the idea of like only going audio only or only going video only. And there's probably some depends on your context sort of answer, I think. Yep. That, now, you're, the other thing too, though, I mean, you're remote all the time, right? Like, are you? That's you right. I've been remote since well, for this job and the previous job, so since twenty, like fall of twenty sixteen. So coming up yeah. on five years here. This this coming up fall, four and a half years so far. Wow. Yeah. So Mark, what, so we're I think we're sort of debating when we're going back to the office, but for I think we're going to be like there's not much reason for us to be in the office per se, other than you know sort of collaboration and stuff like that. But what's your your company's sort of view on when do you guys think you get back to the office and will you ever get back to the office? Yeah, that's that's actually a really good question. Uh, that's still I think can open open for debate uh the the last official word we had was that no one would be required back until like september or something like that but that was six months ago and or so and things have changed a lot since then so uh, i don't know i just don't know the answer i guess actually september is not that far away so so it's certainly possible that that would be roughly the the timeline yeah so what about vaccines have you guys i mean i've had my first dose of astrazeneca but how about you guys have you had any is it on the horizon for you guys or yeah, I had my first shot. I told you about that. Um, yeah, I vaguely remember, yeah. Yep, yep. I had my first one. I mean, what about you? We're a bit behind in Washington State, but I just saw on the evening news tonight that April 15th in Washington State, everyone 16 years of age and older will be eligible to to get in line. Mm. So then the next question is, right. can I find stuff? Uh, might be okay. I mean, I do work from home. So if it's like, hey, you know, Walgreens has opened up a slot at noon, it's like, great, I'll go right now. <laughs> not a problem. <laughs> yeah. Flexibility. Yeah. I'm not having to. Who deal with other things. So, I mean, everybody's going to need it uh, eventually. It, it strikes me as puzzling that they just don't do this at like McDonald's drive throughs you know, <laughs> just like drive up, <laughs> give you a jab and then give you your sandwich and there you go. Well, they're doing it. They're doing it uh, at Canada's Wonderland is like our sort of big sort of Disney place, sort of, you know, like like it's like a amusement park. It's got like you know, rides and roller coasters and stuff like that. But they have this huge parking lot, right? And so they're using that as a, as a, a, a site for, for doing the getting the jab right so and it's basically in your car like the you know you drive up roll down your windows you know they'll, they'll take everybody's health card and and make sure that they're legit and and give them a jab and the way they go right so i think you have to make an appointment too but but yeah they have the facility to sort of you know create the lanes and all that kind of stuff to move the cars in and out right so i went to i went to a pharmacy to get mine done like in a local pharmacy Alrighty. Um, and if I could, I would use my Apple card to pay for that. Oh, you have to pay for your shot? No, I'm kidding. I'm giving Harmy a segue. He'd <laughs> <laughs> get his, 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 uh, two or possibly 3% if it was part of the, uh, the extra fancy deals. Um, so this is follow up to way back in apparently, uh, you know, late 2019, 
2019, if you recall. Steve Strout and Smith or something like that? Or? Well, uh, in this case, it was uh, DHH, David Heinemeyer DHH, Hansen yes. from uh, Basecamp and Ruby on Rails fame, and uh, Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak both claim that their uh, women partners or significant others received lower Apple card credit limits simply for being women. And uh, as it turns out, that's not true because the New York State Department of Financial Services investigated the banking partner, in this case Goldman Sachs, um, and said, no, um, actually everything's perfectly explainable based on other factors and there is no um, you know, situation here that would create disparate impacts. Um, there, There is a bit of like, yeah, you know, it's kind of a recommendation, but not a requirement strictly to tell people, um, like you are required to tell people why you denied them a line of credit. However, you're not required to tell them, you know, what happened to reveal their particular credit limits, right? So if I give you even the most awful credit limit with the worst sort of uh, APR rate on it, if I've given it to you, like I'm under no requirements beyond that, right? And this is actually like a really, really, let me tell you, as somebody who used to work at Simple, uh, this was a huge thing where people would get declined for the uh, debit account and say, hey, actually you're required to do this. Like, well, no, technically no, it's uh, it's only required for credit per per regulation. So the, uh, who are they? The New York State Department of Financial Services investigated, found you know, some recommendations for like, hey, it would be nicer if Goldman Sachs did these things, but strictly speaking, nothing wrong happened here. So Yeah, which is interesting because I, I could see that with the rank and file, but in, in the case of Wozniak and, and DHH, I mean, they're both well-to-do people whose wives presumably are well-to-do as well, right? So kind of kind of wonder, I guess that does raise an eyebrow, right? That was the thing, but like, you know, what DHH and Wozniak are not talking about is like, so did your significant other never miss a rent payment, for, possibly for good reasons? Oh, uh, right. Did they never, uh, you know, be late on a credit card payment? Like, there's a bazillion different things that and, credit reports. And historically, what's the ratio of their income and spending? I think that stuff probably factors in a lot. Yeah, right? yeah, because right. like, you know, uh, joint and shared accounts is still, uh, again, for those of you who are not within the US of A, uh, our financial technology sector is is sort of baffling in terms of how archaic it can be at times. And so I would what, guess... the United States? I can't believe that. <laughs> let me tell you, the, uh, the, the, the fancy pants interact system of Canada completely blows away what we've got on the horizon. Really? Uh, but, but that aside, like, I would guess, and this is baseless speculation, but I could guess you're getting at like what Mark was saying, that uh, even though this couple is like, hey, we we share all of our funds, great. But practically speaking, what does that mean? It's like, well, it's not as easy as having like, you know, a family one password account or something. It's like, no, no, no. It was probably, oh, um, for historical reasons, you know, one partner has like the better setup. It's like, oh yeah, cool. I trust you. I'll just log in as you when I use the credit card. I'll log in as you when I move funds around. So as far as the electronic history is concerned, one partner may have absolutely nothing when it comes to credit history for like 10 years, right? However long they've been together. They might have uh, all sorts of other things that you would say, well, logically speaking, this is one, you know, one unit, one family unit. True. It's not the way the financial system looks at things, right? So whatever, you know, sort of analysis that Goldman Sachs 
access system is using, which is look at like, hey, so I found this DHH. All right, cool. I see his financial history. Great. Here's his credit limit. Okay. I see, you know, DHH partner. Wow. They've like had no money for 25 years. What's going on here? I guess they will get very small limit, right? Like you could very easily see that situation happening. Um, I don't know that that's the case. Just be really clear. That's speculation is what happened here. But um, I think we were pretty skeptical of this back when it came out. And it looks like actually nothing was was untoward here. Although I have seen some some very interesting conspiracy theorists who are like, oh, but like Apple and Goldman Sachs have a bunch of money. They just paid off the regulars. Like, no, 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 that, that, that didn't happen. Let me tell you. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. So I saw this next story. I didn't get a chance to dig into it. So when Jeff Phyllis in, I yeah. fall down. <laughs> yeah. So the, the Apple Watch amongst telling you that it's, you know, time to stand up and do other things can apparently tell you if you are frail. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the, the cheeky way of saying that a uh, an Apple funded study, uh, Stanford University, was was checking out, you know, can the Apple Watch replace sort of in clinic, uh, what do they call them? A frailty test, but it's a, what's NWT stand for? Minute walk test, right? So apparently frailty, and I'm just going to read here from the, the quote here, frailty in this case is measured in terms of the distance a patient can travel in a six minute walk. It's normally tested with a six minute walk test or six MWT and frailty was defined in the study as quote, walking less than 300 meters on an in clinic six minute walk test. And uh, I'm probably going to lean a little bit on Mark here to go over the, the, the stats part of this because it seemed like 60% of the time it works 100% of the time. Um, <laughs> but they're they're claiming 100%, here, 100% like, yeah. like you're, you're of course going to be better going into the clinic and getting the tests. However, it seems like as a first pass, as nothing else, um, certainly fine to have the, the watch do sort of that first filtering of like, seems like you might be frail, go talk to your, your doctor. Hmm. Yeah, I did, th- I did see that. Uh, I mean, I saw another graphic maybe with another link um, that sh- kind of showed I guess a couple of different metrics that they use to put together to determine your frailty be you know like your heart rate your I guess your walking speed and that kind of stuff right so interesting and as it says in the article Tim Cook sees the wearables as the future already um what's got next for us speaking of Apple and Safari and Siri and whatever yeah so in the uh, in the sixth and wow they just keep pushing that off iOS 14.5 beta let me tell you I've, I'm as <laughs> As an aside, I have been waiting for iOS 14.5 and the... It's, it's in its sixth beta? It's apparently, according to this article. <laughs> so wow. I've been waiting for iOS 14.5 because, as, uh, as folks may or may not remember, I have an Xbox Series X controller that I was sure would love to connect to my device, but for not being certified over uh, MFI. MFI made for iPhone? Yeah, MFI made for iPhone. Yeah. Um, I am just here watching it sit on my desk. And so I've been waiting for the iOS 14.5. I, I don't have a reason to install the beta. I've been waiting for the, the release. But in addition to that, uh, apparently Apple will now uh, no longer choose the female sounding voice for Siri by default anymore. So you'll actually be prompted to choose one of the voices, which they do have really? male voices as well. Hmm. And somebody in the in the comments says that in, in French, the default was male for reasons that are unclear to me, possibly cultural, but at least... Well, for- I, think the, I think in the UK, it's English or a, a male voice as well. I think Greg uses the... Greg used to tell us he had the male British voice on his, but I, I will have to ask our friends on the Slack channel. Uh, we have, you know, people from around the world, including 
Australia and uh, and England to tell us what their default voices are because they're not the same as the, the Siri that we get here in, in Canada or in uh, the US, right? But it's interesting, you know, by the way, that, that you know how Toronto, we Toronto is the proper pronunciation of Toronto, but no one ever says Toronto. Uh, we say Toronto, Toronto. and mm-hmm. Siri says Toronto, which is kind of interesting. How do you say the number that's one higher than 19? 20? Okay, yeah, same thing. You don't say the T. 20? Yeah, 20. 20, yeah. I'm the same. I say 20, Yeah, but but the correct pronunciation, I think, is 20. Yeah, you want, you want to see want to see us make uh, Tammy go crazy? Sure. Uh, ask me to say Java. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you say? What do you say? Java? I say Java. Java. It's not Java. He says Java. Uh. I say Java. It's almost like Java, right? Java. Java. That's how I've always said it. Right or wrong? <laughs> I don't know. That's follow-up, folks, as well yeah. for this show. I'm looking at my Siri to see what I had it set on, and it looks like I have it as American female, which is probably the default. But beyond the male choice, I didn't I didn't realize. It tells you something sad about your usage pattern that you didn't even know. <laughs> if you'd asked me, I would have sworn, because I, I do tend to do this for virtual assistants, I tend to switch them to Australian female, because because I just find it easier to hear in noisy environments. And maybe since I'm indoors almost all the time now, I haven't noticed that. But I also didn't notice that they had more accents than I recall, and maybe two or three easier. So in my list, it's American, Australian, British, which I think I saw before. Indian, Irish, and South African don't, don't, yeah, I've got that too. don't tickle my memory. So Yeah, South African would be cool. Mine, by, for the for the for people, folks driving at home, is my language is set to English Canada, and my voice is set to American female. So I, I am using the same voice as you, I guess. Hmm. Huh. Is there a Canadian female voice? No, I've just got um, American, Australian. Oh, I've got British, which is probably close. I've got uh, Indian, Irish, and South African. But uh, it'd be interesting to try those other voices just for there's fun. There's no, there's no French Canadian voice, huh? No. Well, no. I mean, if you turn your, if you, if my language was French, I'm sure that would change, right? No, no. I, I well, the la- yeah. Like if I choose, if I choose, actually, that's a, that's an interesting question. Do they have a different for French? Do they have a different yeah, accent sure Canadian, French sure Canadian, and and Parisian Canadian? Um, well, yeah, there is a difference in the French, for sure, like between those two countries. Right, right. But does Siri have a difference? That's the question. Yeah, well, I would think so, because like I've got English Canada. English Canada is different than English UK or English American, right? Mm-hmm. I used to use I used to use um, US for everything. Like I use a US keyboard on my Mac setup as well, um, just because I found, you know, with back in the early days, applications wouldn't behave properly if I didn't have the American, it wasn't using US keyboard. Um, so I've tended to use US all the time, and it's only been lately and I guess probably last four or five OSs that I've given up fighting and just put in Canadian, right? Because it used to be like, so here's an annoying thing, and this goes back to like, I can't remember if it was, if it was classic or, yeah, it probably was classic or early iOS, or, or sorry, clear, early Mac OS, but the, if, when you set up your Mac, it would ask if you wanted to use Canada as your region, right? And if you did that, it would start accepting French spellings and it would, it would start going, doing all this weird, you know, dictionary stuff that didn't make sense to me, right? Um, I'd rather get yelled at for the way I spell color than, than have to deal with the sort of weirdness that was that was coming that way, right? So I used to always set up every single OS, every single Mac I ever set up with, I would choose a U.S. keyboard and U.S. US English, right? So but it's only been in the last, I guess they must have fixed a bunch of bugs in it over the years, but uh, yeah, weird, eh? And of course, you know, the keyboard layout's different in French too, like the size of the return key is different, and the, of course they've got extra accent keys that they use. So the French keyboard layout is different than, than the English keyboard that we use in, in English-speaking Canada. 
Okay. Yeah, let me tell you when when I saw the the British keyboard over there in the UK, it completely destroyed my mind. I, it was something I could not type on because I was hitting the wrong keys because the shape of the return key or enter key is is wildly different. Yeah, it's it's vertical as opposed to horizontal, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. that Tetris L shape when you rotate it. Yeah. So the the heavy parts on top. Yeah. Yeah. Hangovers hangovers from type type for writer days. Alrighty. So what are we doing about the iPhone? The small iPhone, I mean. Very sad things here because according to this blog post by uh, Law Jimenez, nobody designs for small iPhone devices anymore. And this is the, the best quote right here at the top. Quote, nobody designs for small iPhone devices anymore. Why do I say this? Well, if you've been rocking the iPhone SE 2020, you would know. What I'm saying is there what I'm saying is there are a lot of UI glitches from apps running on iPhone SE, and he gives pretty good examples of Clubhouse's app, you know, not measuring the width properly. So you can see some of the other view controller. Uh, Spotify, apparently it is impossible to refresh the, uh, you know, the little table view there unless you you drag up with your left thumb to get the refresh button to appear and then tap it with your, your right. And it's not just third-party apps, which there's a whole bunch of here. Again, we'll have this link in the show notes as you're driving home, but there, uh, there are some Apple ones too, like Apple shortcuts. You can't, uh, you can't enter the folder name because you can't see it. Or Apple TV where, wow, that's a very huge header space. There's probably 33% of the screen top that's just used for the black header area that has, you know, the Apple logo, TV Plus, and then, <laughs> then you can finally see the first large hero image, which in this case is for uh, the Servant TV series. I was going to say, I could see that on small teams. Like, I know the Clubhouse app was written by a guy, right? Um, and, and you know, it's still in beta and it's written by one person, but like larger larger teams, you know, with proper QA, um, I, you know, I know that we go to, we are QA people test, you know, all the, all the layouts from all the devices, right? So um, I could understand if it's like a single developer shop or small team where they're doing their own QA, they might miss it. But and it, and it's a lot of work, but to, to sort of cater to them. But yeah, there are still you know the the SE and the 5S and that kind of stuff are still around, right? So two SEs right now. I, I have to say I'm not surprised at all. Uh, I can recall working with the designer a few years back. I'm thinking of one particular where where I was pretty strongly recommending that they design for the small phone, and then it's easier to 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 expand it. And this designer was adamant that no 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 we must design for the big screen and then scale it down really? I, I, I don't know why so so that's what they did and uh they were very shocked when things just didn't fit anymore on the small screen i i, I don't get it but you know sometimes uh sometimes designers don't listen to developers right yeah yeah <laughs> hmm. yeah i've, so I've seen I'm, that I'm in my surprised. career as well where you you kind of yeah. feel like you know i think you joked once of like telling the head of design is like what i'm going to do is i'm going to ask your design folks like hey do you have icloud backup you do good great and to just break their phone and be like here you go now now here's this iphone <laughs> se that you have to use so that you you aren't just like oh you know you pick up a testing device you look at it you know make a few tweaks no no i want you to live that experience so you understand the pain because i think folks don't get it because i also heard similar things that marcus heard of like oh we designed for the big one and then we scale it down like we don't have you know like size classes are not magic right we can't just make something that says like hey when this phone gets you know ridiculously smaller um 
you know, compared to what is the norm, we can't just flip to a completely different layout. And even if we could, that'd be very expensive to do versus just having a more flexible layout that's designed for the smaller screen. And then we can give things a little bit more breathing room where, where there is more space, right? And something like a, like a Max or even just, you know, the Pro models. Um, but uh, apparently, I mean, this is very prevalent throughout the industry. Google's on here. Um, uh, we said Spotify already. Who else is on here? Apple, Medium, Pinterest. Um, it, it, way down here, he says, like, I'm just going to stop <laughs> on this blog post. But like, you you get my point now of all of the all the various areas in which people are, are forgetting, you know, that as these new... And, and the iPhone SE 2020 is actually a little bit larger, right? It's, it's not the iPhone 5 style anymore. It's like an iPhone 6, isn't it? So it's, yeah, I think so. It's even more egregious <laughs> to not have support for uh, for that size of a phone. Can we move on to our to the big announcement? The this, as we record yesterday, it was a big surprise announcement on a Tuesday from Apple. Surprise, surprise! WWDC is coming to your to a screen near you. Uh, yeah, so so we got the new graphic uh, sort of playing off of uh, the the supply with hair supply or the 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 video last year last year with hair supply opening up the M1 uh, at the big uh, announcement last year. Um, so yeah, what do you guys what do you guys think? It's going to be all virtual again this year, and it's going to be it's back to the first week of June, which is I think last year was unusual because it was a little later, right? Uh, well, I mean, we're not surprised that it's happening, right? And I don't think anyone's surprised no, no. that it's virtual. So it's, I mean, it, at this point, it's sort of, uh, you know, it's it's cool, but it's not a huge story, right? Yeah, no, but, yeah. I think what I, what I was getting at was last year the 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 date was delayed by a couple of weeks because of mm-hmm. you know because Apple had to sort of you know re, re, regroup and figure out what they were doing, right? So and then yeah. they did that amazing sort of Netflix drop every day of of you know content. I, I assume they're going to do the same thing this year as well. Right? I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be cool. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I mean, last year I was telling Leo on the previous show that, uh, we, uh, we did watch parties last year where we, we got together. We looked at what the, the daily drop of, of topics were. We, and as a group, we decided what we would watch together and we would simultaneously hit play and, you know, comment in the Slack channel as we watched together, you know, with four or five people from around, you know, around the globe. Some people in California, some people in Berlin on one single call. So, what do you think? I mean, like, you know, we've talked about the the M1s, you know, the first kick at uh, the Apple Silicon Max. I mean, I'm holding out for an Apple 16, or not a 16, but I'm hoping holding out for another iteration of 13, right? So what do you guys think? Yeah, well, I think almost definitely there'll be a 16. I, I'd be shocked if there wasn't. I, I think the the past year has been, you know, a trial run in some sense for the M1, and it's, I think it succeeded beyond everyone's expectations. So yeah, I'd be shocked if there wasn't a next generation of of uh, of hardware and and the 16 is the obvious one. Yeah. Well, you're the only one of us that's re- reusing an M1 right now. What do you yep. what do you think about after having it for what three four weeks now? Right. Yeah. I mean the the tr- the honest truth is that I don't I don't notice that much difference. It's faster right. than my old machine. Yes. Is it is it um, life changingly faster? No, it's not. Uh, but it's faster. And you know, th- I was running on a 2013 machine uh, running Mojave actually. So yeah. So, any, it's, so it's anything's going to be an improvement. Right? Everything's yeah. an improvement. Uh, but, but, and I haven't, I have no complaints except, well, sometimes I see, I see beach balls maybe a little more than I would hope. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's perfectly fine. And I understand that that's not very enthusiastic, but you know, that's what it is. It's perfectly fine. It's a, it's a good next generation machine, which is kind of what you, what you want, right? I mean, it, 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 it dropped into their, uh, line of, 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 uh, hardware rollouts as the next generation one would and with no glitches and it was cheap.
cheaper. So yeah, that's definitely a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it blow me away in terms of speed? No, I, I can't say it did. Can't say it did. Right. I feel like the, the alternative take to that, right? Because, um, and I think it's a really useful one because we've definitely gotten a lot of, um, uh, a lot of praise out in the media about like, you know, stuff being faster and, and your, your mileage or kilometerage may vary on that. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the sort of hidden thing is that for what I hear you saying, Mark, is that it wasn't like a dumpster fire. You're not like, oh man, like this transition sucked. It was like, oh, it was right. actually exactly. pretty exactly. smooth so, and painless, which is yeah. about and as that's best exactly you what you want. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Have it yeah. be a, non, a non-issue switching from Intel to Apple Silicon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't mean to make it sound, I might have made that made it sound a little bit more negative than I meant to there. But, well, you haven't yeah. found any particular apps that, that made you take pause and say that doesn't work or that's Right. For me. Now, yeah, actually, there there have been some issues with some uh, some command line development stuff that I've had to do. There have been some things about. Well, that's that's not really so much because of the M1. It's because of the the need to do multi platform, multiple multiple architectures. You know, building for x86 and for M1 at the same time. That's, how are you getting? How are you getting around that? Well, because I have heard I've heard issues yeah. with with that that the the slices aren't available for Intel on on the M1s. Is that what you're talking about? Well, you have to compile uh, for the... Yeah, basically, yes. I mean, it, it does kind of come down to that, is that it's... Uh, I haven't been able, in this particular case, to to figure out how to get one particular thing to compile on the x86 as a dynamic library that I could link to my x86 build on in Xcode. So, it's a, so I'm building an external dynamic library in a different language, not in Swift or anything. You know, And, and I want to use that as part of a... a uh, a Mac app build, and on my old x86 machine, it worked fine. I just I just build it for x86 natively. I would link it to the x86 build in Xcode natively, and it worked fine. On the M1, after after a little bit of you know a day or so of having to mess around and figure things, I was able to build native build the the dynamic library natively on M1, and then link it to an M1 Mac app. Great. But then the next step is well, I don't want to have to you know go run this on another machine. So what I want to do is be able to have on the M1 do build both an x86 version and a uh, an ARM version, and then have targets in Xcode for both, and then just have it all kind of work as one universal app, which you're supposed to be able to do. But it just doesn't seem to work. Uh, I I think I can build the x86 version just using client command line, uh, but when I try to link it to my Mac app, it, it just won't link up to the x86 version. So I have had to resort to running one, building one version on the M1 and one version on an x86 machine which is which see is you need pain. to run jenkins on your old your old mac <laughs> this is really um, i'm out of that one yeah 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 so so well we, but we, the old mac can't build for m1 no i know but we, we we found the same issue with with uh recently with with uh, some tests that we were doing we were finding that we couldn't we had to we had a, we, we were doing a real quick test and and uh we found that we couldn't build to the simulator for some reason so we ended mm. up building to a device to, so that we could actually because you know because then the, the the arm slices are there Right, so yeah, for some, it was I think it was the opposite problem you were having, right? Which which we found really really puzzled us. Uh, actually, no, it was third party dependencies. Those oh, cursed third party dependencies. Yeah, well, this is that's a whole different story. In this case, in in this case, I was building the third party dependency myself. Right. In yeah. in your case, yeah, if the third party vendor hasn't provided a version that has an M1 slice, then you're out of luck. Right. Right. And nothing yeah, you yeah, can yeah. do. Yeah. 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 I think that was the issue for us. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So well, we're hoping. Well, I so I mean, I guess that's the thing. It, you know, we kind of hope that that i mean like last year we got you know native
native Swift UI apps, right? The year before we got Swift UI. Um, where do we think? Uh, where do we? What what kind of surprise and delight are we going to get from from Xcode tooling and framework tooling this year? Do you think it's going to they're going to take uh, um, Catalyst to another level or Swift UI to an even further level? What do you What do you think that's going? Well, for sure, there'll be incremental changes to Swift UI. Uh, it's you know we're, we're we're in year three of it now, so so it's yeah, getting up. to be at the point where there's not going to be as many just like groundbreaking, you know, life changing things happening with Swift UI. Although I, I'd say we're not quite there yet, where it's you know it's something people are using for the most part. People aren't using this every day for production. I don't think some people are, I guess, but I think a lot of people aren't. Uh, but uh, you know, we're getting to the point where they'll be certainly like polishing the uh, you know sanding the edges and things like that and polishing and things will just work a little bit better, work a little bit more smoothly. Uh, probably see more more things that were UI kit under the hood become not UI kit under the hood in Swift UI. Mm-hmm. I think that'll apply to app kit as well. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think I was going to talk about um, the Mac stuff in when I talked about my pick. Because um, as you know, I played around with doing a Mac app the other day and and uh, following it, uh, Ray Wunderlich book. And I was amazed at some of the stuff that you can do in Swift UI, like fairly simply, like, you know, with, with app store storage which talks which uses the um, user defaults kind of stuff to um, save and, and it's like it's it's like an app storage wrapper like an environment variable kind of property wrapper kind of thing and and it just kind of uh, it, it you know you give it a key and a view and and presto change or it's it writes it to the to the user defaults and you can read back from it using the same thing which is kind of cool and um, how you can very easily with a, you've got a switch UI command to build uh, um, either a brand new um, Apple menu or a brand like a a menu like for the for the Mac app, or you can actually add to an existing menu. There's a couple of uh, processes or modifiers inside of uh, inside of uh, SwiftUI, and uh, also the ability to write preferences. You know, because of, obviously preferences are the sort of big thing on the. You know, we have settings bundles on on iOS. Those become preferences on when you convert to a Mac app, and and how to deal with those, right, sort of thing, right. So that was kind of cool to see that in SwiftUI, and I would think that that kind of those kind of modifiers will go further into into helping. I wonder if, you know, um, more development on combined. Combined seems to be growing in its capabilities as well, right? Yeah, I think quality of life stuff, right? So um, certainly would like to see the tooling get better and smarter with suggesting things for you and helping you diagnose problems with Swift UI, Swift itself for that nature, right? Seeing more and better like, hey, this is the thing you did wrong, not, you know, some nonsense. You're like, what is that? Oh, what you mean is (laughs) I'm missing a slash here. Okay, cool. Let me do that then. Right, like getting it as as weird as it seems, but getting it back to how really good that stuff was and telling you what you did wrong in Objective C, um, yeah, quite literally many moons ago, right? This is this is definitely a many moons ago sort of thing. So I, I think that'll be good because you you get more um, you know more uh, agility out of just having the tooling just speed you along and not be like I don't know what that is. Let me go look on Stack Overflow, right? Yeah, and if there's if there's one thing that they could do in Xcode that I would love more than anything else is improve the way they allow you to trace code through protocols. Mm-hmm. So you caught very commonly, if you if you do a lot of protocol-oriented stuff, you very commonly have a situation where, where you have code that's referencing some protocol that could be a concrete object, is a concrete back, is a concrete object somewhere when it actually comes in. But when you're tracing the code, it's not runtime. You can't just probe it. You know, I mean you could do that. But if you're just like trying to look at the code uh, and you want to know where this thing comes from something, right?
but when it's referenced by a protocol, you don't know necessarily what the concrete class or, or struct uh, that's conforming to that protocol is when it's being used at the time that you're seeing it in your code. And Xcode just kind of gives up at that point. You know, you, you if you try to trace down into the the protocol, it shows you the protocol definition, but it doesn't show you the, any of the concrete objects that are conforming. So I guess I'd like to see a way, like with a say with a right click or something like that. If I right click on a protocol, I want to see a list of every class that conforms to that protocol in my code base. How about that? <laughs> that would be mm, pretty awesome. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That'd be pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because this gets doubly worse when you know people get kind of cute and generic with the names. Like, and, and I know mm-hmm. naming is difficult, but heaven help me when it's like, oh, good, this thing is called view. I don't know how I'm going to find that. That's an unsearchable yeah. thing. It's like if it yeah, was, yeah, you know, yeah. super happy fun time view. So SHF view. Like, oh, trivial, easy to find in the, in the right. code base. But just view, I'm like, oh, no, I'll, I'll never be able to find it. I hope it's in a logical place because now I'm digging through the uh, the folder hierarchy like an animal, right? Versus yep. what you described, Mark, of like, just show me everywhere where this is. You know, do the analysis of, of my project. You, you know what, what could happen at runtime. Show me what it is. Yep. Even if you're just guessing and you're wrong a little bit of the time, that's okay. Yeah. At least you've, you've helped me find, you know narrow down, you know, where exactly uh, within a foot or two of this haystack is this yeah, dang needle. Exactly. Prove to me that you're doing something useful every time you say indexing and, you, and I get a beach ball spinning for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just look at my code here. I, I get, like you mean underneath this? I don't know what you call that. What is that thing called? In a hover? Oh, the navigate to related, related items thing menu. You know that one where you can look up your callers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it does list superclasses, extensions, protocols, categories, siblings, sub- subclasses, and it doesn't really like it doesn't sort of do what you said, Mark. Like I can see what protocol I'm in, I've adopted here, but unfortunately, it's one from UIKit, so it's kind of straightforward. But yeah, I know what you mean. Hmm, yep. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and and making that pervasive because Mark, I'm guessing you were talking about it from like a you know looking at, at lines of text but you might as well yeah. also follow the same thing of like all right i've had to go into the view debugger now show me where the heck this thing is coming from what what is it that's causing this problem um that'd be really nice yeah yeah more information some in some better instance information on the view debugger would would be kind of nice yeah right well how apple is a hardware company what what do you think what do you what do you, what do you crystal ball as far as what we'll see in um of course been all those false rumors that we've been you know led down the garden path with recently, but what do you think will happen with hardware this year? Well, 16 inch MacBook Pro, um, the uh, 16 a new gig Apple car. What do you think? Watch uh, a car? No, there's not going to be a car this year. <laughs> there might be a new a new version of the Mini HomePod. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it you was, think they'll add uh, they'll add the what is it the spatial um, awareness? What is that thing called that, that's in the old HomePod? The OG um, spatial. You know what I mean? Like where, where it automatically adjusts to the room. Yeah, oh, maybe. Right. Um, I mean, the te- they've got the technology from the original one. I can't imagine. Imagine that it's it it that, that U1 chip cost. or something like that. I think maybe it, right? it needs a new chip. Yeah, yeah, it had the U1 chip. I think in the in the HomePods. But yeah, yeah, because because that's the one thing that's missing from the minis is they they don't really interface with the do they interface with the 4K? And I hooked mine up to my my to watch the Justice League last week. I hooked up my the HomePod I got to my TV and my to my Apple mm-hmm. TV uh, 4K and it sounds amazing. Huh. Um, but yeah, I wonder what uh, what the, where the mini's going. I do mm-hmm. think a new um, replacement for their IMAX since it seems like. Or is it iMac oh, yeah, Pro? Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. They stopped, uh, seem to have discontinued there. I'm like, well, kind of makes sense that, yeah. you know, you'd have Apple Silicon-based iMacs that can take on the needs of what that iMac Pro or the top end was needing. And it may or may not happen this year, but relatively soon, Apple Silicon-based Mac Pros for the ultra high end. Mm-hmm. Does the iMac, the iMac doesn't have a, currently have a 5K 
screen, right? Because that's what the iMac Pro had. But the iMacs did, but it might, maybe maybe it is the new. I mean, yeah, the newer iMacs. Hmm. Let's sure. head over to Apple and have a look. I mean, the so the invitation that went out to folks has the um, couple things. It has the internet meme of uh, Greg Federighi opening up the laptop mm-hmm. for the uh, the Apple Silicon, I think, from last year, and people have gotten really excited. Like, oh, this character is wearing glasses, and although you could say, well, their glasses are just you know reflecting what's on the screen, it has also made the the criminologists say, but I wonder if that's AR related stuff that they're hinting at that, you know, uh, AR glasses might be coming out. Possible. For sure. They're going to do something interesting with AR because they, they've been making that's true. lots yeah. of investment there. Mm-hmm. By the way, just to break in, uh, Retina 4K display on the 27-inch uh, iMac currently shipping. You're right, there is a 4K version of the iMac. But it's not 5K. I want 5K. Um, yeah, I, there's a lot of speculation about that, the glasses. But a former co-host of our show said, I wouldn't read too much into those graphics, you know? Yeah. I mean, they never mean anything, right? So No. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a play, like like Hamid said, it's a play on the Craig Federighi thing. I mean, people were looking at the Mac and speculating on, you know, the fact that they don't see a track bar on the Mac. Uh, they don't see, you know, I mean, you can, what can you really see other than a few keys, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You think we'll see the uh, the tile thing this year? The yeah, tracking tile? Day. You mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. yeah. I sure hope so, because it's getting a little silly that it has been rumored and, and uh, almost solidly confirmed from people <laughs> picking apart the betas, right? It's not yeah. like, oh, random person said. It's like, no, we found graphics that, that go towards this. Uh, that you'd, you'd like to see it ship and not be like the, uh, so the air power is that the name of the charging man? right yeah i was gonna say yeah maybe it needs an air power to, to charge it so they couldn't ship it <laughs> <laughs> air power charging yeah 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 i don't know it's hard to speculate on what what really is going to come from apple i mean it is like the rumor like i mean i, I don't know did he did the rumors even make sense last year right like we had that one what that one lady that we followed last year who had a whole bunch of prognostications and she was pretty good you know i gotta say though i've been you know been playing around with with 50 y and following some some newer tutorials these days and 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 um, I'm finding that Xcode has really gotten good at helping, you know, like like you said, you know, if you're doing code completion, that kind of stuff, it seemed, the fix it seemed to point out, you know, much clearer what your problem is, you know, kind of thing. Um, like, you know, if you if you call something, should it be, you know, if you create an instance, should it be an or, optional or not or whatever, right? So, or if you don't close, a, a, what do you call those, computed variable properly with, you know, the little parentheses at the end there, it kind of gives you a, a strange warning, but it makes sense, you know? Um, and I'm finding that I was watching, I'm going to talk about a video later on in my picks uh, where the, the guy was showing if you watch the way he types out his uh, his code um, he's figured out a shorthand to sort of get the code completion to help right like, you know what I mean like if you're if you're working on a if you if you adopt a protocol for instance in something and you and you wait a second the compiler will say this doesn't conform to the protocol and you just wait and you do run the fix it it'll stub in the the methods you need right and then you can very quickly go through and and uh, you know not miss something that is required um, um, which is kind of cool, and um, I think too, yeah, like like if he was building like a CG rack or something, or he was working with min x or min y, instead of starting to type min or max, he would type y or x, and and the code completion would help by saying, okay, well, you need a min or a max here, right? And and it would automatically pop that in for him as you know as as soon as he hit return on the keyboard, right? So it's kind of a shorthand way of getting Xcode to help you, right? Like if you're doing a table view, you can start writing cell for row at index, and it'll put in the whole method with the override and everything as required, right? I guess, have you found that when you're working with Xcode? I feel like I've adjusted some, like I still, you know, even though the good old, uh, if you recall for NS 
string finally being like, okay, people mostly were typing in a string and not in a stream. I think I've, <laughs> I've done enough of the, okay, I'm just going to trick the autocomplete into doing what I want without naturally typing the way I would type is, is what I think I'm doing. So I don't know. I'd have to sit and really like try not to, to give it hints and just say, you figure out what I'm most likely to be writing here and help me out. I don't know that I've done that for a while. Maybe I've just uh, hard coded all of the, all of the little patterns like, all right, type three, three characters. I know it's going to get me what I want sort of thing. Right. Versus yeah. That's just what I'm saying. Naturally right? yeah. typing what I should be typing if I was going sort of left to right on, on everything. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean, but I, I find that the Xcode sort of the code hinting has been much better. Like if you, if you create a, a variable and then the, on the next log, let's say you create a variable called library, right? And then on the next line, you want to set some properties for that. If you, as soon as you hit the letter L, it'll pop in a suggestion for the word library, right? Like for the name, your variable name. And you can carry on with, with the, uh, you know, with having it automatically pick out the things that you could apply to that particular variable, right? Whereas opposed in the past, it was like anybody's guess what you would get, right? But I just find, I'm just finding that lately Xcode's been a lot more, more helpful in that sense, right? Right. But it's still not as good as it was when in the Objective-C days. Oh, it's true. Yeah. And, and don't try and refactor any Objective-C these days. Have you noticed that? Like, if No, you, is that if broken? You, no. Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't seem to be, yeah, it's, it, I think it's it's more, yeah, this could just be me, but yeah, I'm, I'm finding that, you know, with Objective-C, it's not as helpful as it used to be. Mm. Yeah. Like the refactor commands and rename commands don't seem to work in Objective-C as well as they used to. Right? Any, other, any other wish things, wish list things for WWDC that you were looking forward to? I think this would not have been on my list, but given what we talked about just before this topic, um, more size classes related stuff might be <laughs> kind of in the cards, I would hope. I've given up even asking for that. <laughs> um, so if we're not going to get help for the small devices, I'd like to see, um, and I feel like maybe I need to stop giving up on this one too. I'd like to see something, um, you know, like a like a cloud functions or similar related to CloudKit. And, and yes, I know folks are going to say, hey, but like, remember when they did that session last year with Amazon's AWS Lambda? I'm like, that's true. That's good. But uh, if you're going all in on the idea of, you know, protecting people's privacy and going as, as Apple only as possible, and if you want to make those HomePod minis, um, you know, more effective with more skills and more fun things, like, I really do think that having uh, some sort of executable function thing that you could run through Apple's iCloud would, would be great. You know, just take what CloudKit has been doing and doing well and, and take it to that next level. Yeah, I'd like to see more of that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to see more emojis. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you're going to see those. It'll be the little carrot on the stick to try to get people to upgrade to, what are we on, iOS 15, 15.1. 15, yeah. Yeah, and let's get rid of all the designers that just use F SF symbols from now on, right? What do you think? It's going to use all those those vector graphics. <laughs> yeah. we, can, we, can, we can put it as a small little 44-point touch area, or we can put it as a billboard. It works just as well. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think the watch can do, right? Like last year, we, a couple of years ago, we got the EKG. You know, do you think we're going to get blood pressure and uh, sugar levels, maybe? Well, we got, uh, we got, uh, uh, what is it? Blood ox, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, blood ox. Mm -hmm. Yeah, blood ox. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I guess you have to have a new phone for that. Newer okay. watch, I mean. Can it do, how would it do blood pressure? Because it needs to, need, it would need to, like, inflate or something like that, right? True. Maybe the watch band will, like, bang up the watch band? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about that one. Um, what about sugar levels? I guess not, right? How would it do that? Just from, can can they do that by, like, some kind of optical? Well, I think, I think that, 
I don't know how the I don't know how the um, the ones that you know the people wear on their abdomens or arms or whatever they have like I think it has like I don't know if it has like a pin or whatever that it measures the yeah and it sends I, it by Bluetooth to the device. I can't I can't imagine Apple doing something invasive like that. That's a very special right. specialized mm. thing, mm. and it would take years and years and years of FDA approvals to make that. So what could they possibly do on the watch that would make it leap off the page like the, like like the blood and the cycle measurement and cycle cycle tracking that they added in the last couple of years? Trying to think of how things work. Like, the, the big trouble for me is I'm just very ignorant of how some of these things can work. Like, I, mm. if you'd ask me, oh, we can check blood oxygen, like, how does it do that without actually yeah. <laughs> observing oxygen? It's like, oh, you mean you can just flash little lights at it and look at the pretty pictures? Like, oh, okay, cool. I mean, can can you do mm. that with, with blood sugars? Can you do that with, um, you know, electrolytes or other things? Like, what, what can you actually get from, you know, tiny little camera checking things? That blood pressure? I'm like tr- desperately trying to remember. It's like I know, I know, volume is related mm. to to temperature. Like, could you do something like that? Could they have a temperature sensor and then see uh, like rate of change of flow? I was like, I don't know. I was desperately trying to get yeah. to uh, like fluid dynamic type stuff and and could not remember. Hmm. You have the audio always on screen mark on your watch. I I almost never wear my watch, <laughs> but you have the always on screen thing, right? Didn't you get a new watch recently? Uh, a couple of years ago. Okay, and I, I thought you were, you were talking know. about the always on the, the feature was that last year they added that or two years ago last year they added the se which is the smaller watch for the for the, right. the youngins right right yes yeah, so maybe it was two that. years ago that they did it and then so that probably would be the model i have then <laughs> i don't know I, like i said i i rarely wear it mm. I, I think that's the problem how many apple watches do you see around these days do you see a lot well i mean i, I wear mine every day but yeah you see that, yeah. but I do think that there's the the passive health thing to it, and so I'm struggling to think of yeah. what yeah. things might you do. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe you know this frailty test thing will just be going on in the background. It might just sense like, hey, we noticed you seem to be not doing so well on that uh, was it six minute walk test, right? So you're out there walking the dogs, like, hey, so were you walking the dog and they stop and pee a lot, or were you kind of struggling to make that pace? I mean, I could see more of the doing the analysis, right? We've seen. The, oh, it recognizes how to track your activity for various kinds of activity, like swimming and other sort of mm. non-traditional things. So I could see more of those. I'm, I'm kind of wondering if there's going to be a, uh, you know, it detects COVID or something, right? Like, there, is there going to be a big marquee <laughs> one? I, I don't know that there will be. Or maybe yeah. they'll finally, you know, put some extra motion sensors in there so it can work with Fitness Plus and be like a Wii joystick, that kind of thing. Well, they did add that yeah. last year. It was able to do dance movements and stuff like that, right? So somehow it's able to yeah. ch- check your, your motion that way as well yeah right? so that's that's this is the path we should go down for, for this i think uh services seems to be the thing so last year they introduced fitness plus they introduced arcade uh tv plus was a couple of years ago right yeah arcade was a couple of years ago too uh, yeah. okay well they added apple one last year right it came right which was just a consolidation of things so so yeah. we may think that last year they had to not announce a bunch of things because of the pandemic because stuff just wasn't done in time and maybe Maybe we'll see lots of extra stuff that they normally would have released last year. Maybe. Mm. So what, what would that be then? What could be new and big? I mean, they've they've done. We've got TV Plus. I don't know what they could do there, unless maybe some kind of inter, more interactive TV. I, I don't know. Well, what 
what about the games, Mark? Because you were going down the route of what if your watch had more sensors and made it a little yeah. bit more akin to like the very you know much years old like Nintendo Wii sort right. of remote. And right. now now I've I've made it so like hey, then you could sell two Apple watches because everybody could have one on each wrist and you can do the boxing sort of game for the Nintendo Wii. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All mm-hmm. you need is or two watches or, or and- a ring or something like that too, right? You could have like an Apple ring that would work with your watch. You know? There was a startup that was doing that years back. Um, they made a, a, a ring that had like some biosensors in there for fitness yeah, stuff. The, the Ura ring. Yeah, a few, few friends of mine have that one. Uh, this is, there was a different one. Maybe I guess there was more than one. But I mean, did they ever take off really? I mean, I mean you don't really hear too well, much about those, right? The, the one guy I know who has the Ura ring also has the coffee cup that's controlled by his phone so he can mm, yeah. make sure it's coffee's always at the right temperature. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. those are important things, right? Right, right. So yes, there will always be some people who buy everything. <laughs> yes. Especially if it's shiny and has an apple on it. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, what about TV then? Let's let's look up TV. What what could they possibly do with TV? I mean, not I don't mean the services because obviously they're they're still doing that stuff like the shows and stuff. Um aren't they up for some Academy Awards and stuff like that this year? Probably yeah, Emmys, right. not Academy Awards, right? Uh but they know. have was it Emmys that were nominated? Nominate Emmys or TV? Well, they won a Golden Globe for um that uh, Jason Sudeikis um soccer one. Right, oh, for Ted okay. Lasso as a TV show. Yeah, that's a TV show. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. No, I meant the actual hardware. Like, what do you think about the hardware? Do you think they'll increment that somehow? Or They did retire they some models this year, right? So maybe it's... Yeah, I mean, it's probably it probably is due for a hardware update, just a, you know, a, a speed update or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. They they In terms of new features, they haven't done much in a couple of years, right? They haven't really done too much with it. The TV, you know. Yeah. Well, since they, as soon as they added 4K, I mean, what could they do? I mean, would that, that wouldn't be worthy of being on the stage at WWDC if they're just going to, you know, increase the memory or put a faster chip in it or something, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, making it, you know, perform just as well, but be, you know, a small streaming stick that's cheap could be a pretty good one. Like, I think it's less necessary given their willingness to be installed on, you know, and smart TVs and et cetera, and to open things up like like I have AirPlay 2 capability on my Roku. Um, but, you know, there's still something to be said for controlling that entire brand. And honestly, they, they probably should along the same vein uh, since they, you know, they're sticking around in the, the home category with the HomePod minis. I kind of feel like they need to come up with something that is um, a, a wireless router, right? Bring, they, they got out of it for reasons that are a little unclear, but I think they could do better than, uh, you know, some of the nuttiness we've seen related to routers and, and just having it be like the the central piece of your home. You think like a HomeKit hub kind of thing? or Yeah, so it's it's like, all right, cool. So connected to your Ethernet, great. It gives you Wi-Fi connectivity. It's now your, your known home base for running, um, you know, even separated networks for for just your home kit stuff. So nefarious hackers are unable to, you know, turn on your toaster oven and kill you in the middle of the night sort of thing. Mm. Right. And it's like, Oh, well, you know, we've got like a, a video platform. Great. Everything's kept here locally. This thing even has storage on it. Like you could just do a, a, a very Apple like thing for this piece that like, you can't go top to bottom Apple. At some point you're, you're going to have uh, an Eero or you're going to have uh Netgear or Linksys or some other, you know, non Apple device that's just sitting there gleefully sniffing the traffic on everything 
thing that your your, your very locked right. down Apple right. devices is doing as you're you're cruising the interwebs. Yeah, um, but you know the 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 whole Wi-Fi device comes back to I mean, like I think I was at the at uh, the, the I think it was MacWorld actually where they introduced the time capsule, right? And the sort of Apple base station. So that's that's kind of an old technology. I don't know if I don't know if Apple needs to be in that game, right? Yeah, I mean, unless they did some kind of a mesh internet thing. But I mean, why would they? I mean, like like look who they're yeah. competing with. There's some you know yeah. Google has one, Eero has one, yeah. you know, Netgear has one. You know, yep. there's tons of them out there. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see what uh, they got cooking up for us. I, I think we're we're in for some surprises this year. I think, right? Could be. All right. Well, let's move on to our picks. Um, I got a lot of picks, so I'm gonna let Hyman go first. What do you got for us, Hyman? Yeah, mine is uh, free four dot dev. That is free dash f o r dot d e v, and it's a big collection of the kinds of things you might be able to get for free as you know more and more folks are trying to do you know indie type of development at, at least as a side gig uh, or the uh, the the five to nine as the <laughs> the commercial says using uh, Dolly Parton's uh, song uh, in, in in verse you know so it's got a listing here of your uh, your analytics providers uh, cloud providers you know what they might have for free limits uh, monitoring uh, email just you know code editors and etc this big list of things that you say wow I really do need you know some sort of database as a service it's like well okay cool well you got fauna DB and Airtable and uh influx and he's like, okay cool 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 I'm great uh but man I'm like creating so many logs cool well you know there's uh log DNA and logly you know sumo logic you know they have some varying degrees of, of free stuff so just a big collection here I think it's a github page right so yeah you could even uh submit your own pull request if there's something on there you're like oh wow it's, it's great and free sure would love to to add something you can pull requests presumably accepted you know be nice to them hmm. well speaking of uh tomorrow as we record it's it's uh, march 31st tomorrow is the day that apple changes apparently changes the um push notification style using tokens right hmm. and uh so microsoft has microsoft azure has free notification hubs i wonder if they're really free learn more about hub pricing no upfront cost no termination fees pay only what you need hmm still doesn't say what it costs <laughs> oh up to a, up to a million pushes per tier for free cool so there's a lot of things to look at on this this uh, table here right yeah so a million pushes per subscription per tier i don't know what this active devices per namespace is which is 500 i guess those 500 people just divide up the the million pushes as you completely pummel them <laughs> with your hey there's yeah. new content sort of stuff but you know it, it's it's good stuff to get you started right and wait yeah. until you you know you scale enough to be interesting for them to care about pricing like well by that point you've hopefully hit some sort of uh, mm-hmm. you know market fit where having a little bit of, of coins coming out of your pocket each month is is worth it as now you've got a, a fledgling business there yeah lots of stuff this goes on for days this page nice right so i have a related one and uh, we talked about it in the cl- in the clubhouse but i'll talk about it here today um this one's called xcodetips.github.io um not sure who started it but um you remember we talked about those 25 or so tips that uh, Paul Hudson published uh, before Christmas, right? Um, you know, all the really fabulous things. So this is this is uh, Xcode tips in a sort of GitHub format so that, you know, as time passes, we'll be, we'll be have more things grow here as well, right? So some of those, those tips that Paul Hudson was talking about uh, published here, like, you know, creating commands forward slash to create, uh, to create, you know, GitHub or sorry, Xcode documentation comments, you know, jump to the navigator with command shift J, which is one of my favorite commands, you know, uh, remapping keyboard commands, increasing font size and editor size, um, generating generating inf- interface command control up arrow to do that for your Swift files. 
Um, anyway, so this is a, I guess, is being maintained, and as things grow, um, we'll see more and more things added to it. So that's the xcode-tips.github.io page. I have a link in the show notes for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm adding a new quality of life thing that I'd like to see. I'd like to see actual bookmarks and not have to abuse breakpoints as bookmarks because right. when I do actually need to do some debugging, those bookmarks start cluttering up my screen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, I, I mentioned this last, uh, maybe two episodes ago that Apple had updated the iOS dev tutorials, but they've added a, uh, and I've gone through these. Uh, one of them was introduced last year when they came out with Swift UI um, two years ago, I guess. And, but they've added a UI kit one here, which is kind of nice. It sort of walks through if you're curious about uh, writing a UI kit app. Um, the flow for the for the one uh, tutorial on Swift UI actually takes you down the path of creating a Swift UI app uh, natively, and then uh, also shows you how to build a watch app and a Mac app from the same same um, build. So using the same code, you can build across platforms. So that's a really nice thing, and that's been updated again uh, just uh, last week, I think. Right? And they added that UI kit one. Um, I've been we've been doing a lot of lot of uh, training at work um, because you know obviously people are stuck from home and we can't we're you know we can't really have people come and like I work in a large corporation and sometimes we have you know people come up and do like in class sessions with our developers uh, where we take a you know a day or two and, and learn some advanced you know Swift or something like that. Well, we've not been able to do that this year, so they stood up a, a training portal for us to do you know LinkedIn kind of learning and, and plural site stuff. But uh, one of the uh, one of the interesting things that uh, one of my colleagues pointed out is not part of that program, but this is a piece on uh, Lynda.com, which is connected to LinkedIn right now. Um, I think they've LinkedIn bought Lynda.com. Um, it's called Swift Five Protocol Oriented Programming. So in keeping with Mark, what Mark was talking about earlier. If you want to, if you want to learn a bit more about uh, about uh, protocol or protocol oriented programming, um, take a look at this this tutorial here. Um, the instructor is a guy named Corelli Nyastor. Um, really good teaching style. I mean, I've I've watched a number of his things uh, recently on Pluralsight, and he was I guess previously on LinkedIn, or I'm not sure if he's um, publishing to whoever will take his work. But it, it, he's got a really good teaching style, very comprehensive um, explanation about things. Um, personally, I'm going through a couple of um, uh, uh, code patterns uh, that he's, another couple of tutorials he's put together. But yeah, I really enjoyed this, this protocol-oriented programming one. Um, talked about it at the Clubhouse last uh, last week as well, too. But uh, yeah, definitely check that one out. I'll have a link in the show notes for that one. And I also stumbled across another instructor, which I really like his style. And he, I think he's just started out, too, which is kind of cool. Um, but uh, I, I was Googling around, and I saw a, um, uh, a Medium article. I'm not sure if I saw it on Twitter or something, on using Swift's custom string convertible and um, as he explains uh, in the in the video stud apps is the name of the stud apps is the name of the uh, the, the YouTube page um, I don't know the name of the writer I guess I could look at his Stephen Curtis I think is his name yeah because he's writing on, he's got an article here on medium and so it was kind of funny because I went to I found the article on medium and at the top of the thing it said hey there's a YouTube video here so I just put it on and watched it and, and it's really good um, I learned better from videos than I do from reading but uh, yeah he this is the guy I was telling you about if you watched like I watched this one Swift UI this uh, custom string convertible I really recommend that you take a look at that it really explains the, the protocol really well um, but he's also got another tutorial on um, using Charles backend like mocking a Charles backend like using Charles proxy I don't know if you guys are familiar with that tool mm -hmm. but um, he's got this little little tutorial on building an app and mocking the whole backend using Charles you know because you can do a rewrite when you when you and he creates this fake you know mock 
com URL and, and goes in and populates that. But what's really cool about his tutorial style is if you watch him type in, in Xcode, he doesn't talk about it, but this is the guy I was telling you that, you know, he has these sort of, he's, he looks like he's figured out a bunch of shorthands to get Xcode to bend to your will. Like, to you know, when you're typing out a CG rect or whatever and you need to put an X and a Y uh, size and min-max, whatever, um, he's figured out how to, like, I was watching him type and, and seeing that, you know, the way he enters his, uses the keyboard to get Xcode to do the code completion form is, is really kind of cool. So definitely recommend not only a good instructor on this stuff, um, and like he's, like I said, he just started publishing videos uh, a couple of months ago. Let me see how far. Yeah, two weeks ago he started. So definitely keep an eye on this guy. He's, I think he's got some, uh, got a future. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He's, he's put up quite a few things. Five months, six months. No, oh, I take it back. He's been doing it for a while. <laughs> but yeah, his, his uh, Swift stuff is really good. He started doing these, uh, it's called, a series called Unlocking Swift. But yeah, check it out. I think he's uh, he's going to be uh, a contender. Um, and my last pick is uh, the Swift UI by Tutorials book has been updated. It's now its third edition by the folks over at RayWonderlick.com. As soon as I got my hands on it, I jumped down to the uh, building a Mac. Chapter 20 talks about building a Mac app using Swift UI. So I jumped down there, and that's where I got all those tips about I was telling about earlier about uh, building preferences and how you you know use app storage and how you use um, uh, the um, how you build menus with uh, tab bars, convert your because you know when you when you develop a Mac app like Macs um, traditionally are top down in terms of how you lay things out. You know you've got your menus across the top and you've got usually your buttons are up in the tab bar and that kind of stuff. Whereas on iPad and iOS we tend to put buttons down at the bottom. We have like a toolbar that kind of thing or you know and how buttons are work as a metaphor great on uh, iPad or iOS, but you know they they have a different kind of a function in in uh, Mac development. Like uh, one thing about Mac development is different than, than um, iOS development is on iOS, you normally, you click on, you tap on something and it does something. Whereas on the Mac, you tend to use the mouse to select something and then perform an action on it, right? Which is kind of a different style, more slower style of working. So um, these are, these articles on the Mac app uh, are, are really good. I haven't, I got to go back and go back through the, the rest of the book, but because uh, I hadn't really read this book, to be honest with you, with, uh, with these guys. But yeah, just checked out the, uh, jumped down to the chapter 20 on building a Mac app, which is really good. So yeah, I highly recommend the new Swift UI by Tutorials 3rd Edition from the folks over at RayWonderLake.com. And those are my picks. Thoughts, questions? Going back on one, uh, or, or two, yeah. I should say, I'm pretty impressed sure. with the layout here for the Apple developer one. Uh, mm-hmm. they got a pretty nice sort of striking style here. Uh, I know we've seen that some of their newer stuff does the, okay, this section will take you five minutes, this one will take you 20, this is 15 minutes. That's really nice. So you'd kind of know what you're getting into. You can do you know bite-sized chunks, but just the style of stuff is actually pretty pretty neat. And I think even if I blurred my eyes and wasn't looking at the text, I think I could sort of figure out what the content probably was, which tells yeah. me the iconography is really good. And what's nice about it too is is that I, I really like about this, this I don't know what, how they're doing it, but it's like a, an HTML, CMS kind of, you know, magic, um, HTML5, I mean. They're, as you're coding, as you scroll down the page and look at the code, it actually renders the preview like it would like on a canvas view on in Xcode, right? So you can see what you're expecting to get in your in your own code, which I find really helpful, you know, for for learning uh, new concepts, right? So I don't know how they're what what magic they're doing, like some sort of web web mojo that they're using, but it's really cool. Have you looked at any of the tutorials to see what I mean? I haven't gone through them, but yeah, I, just click on one and you'll uh, see what I mean. Like this takes a sec. State management is probably going to be a good one. Yeah, let's see here. Okay, so oh, whoa, what was this? Oh, it showed me the preview. I was like, what is that coming out of the screen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With my see if I had AR 3D glasses, it could be like, whoa, it's coming towards me. <laughs> 
<laughs> giving you a little uh, sort of pop over of here's what you should yeah. see in the UI, which is neat. Yeah, like I like as soon as you go to step two and it says add a rounded rectangle, you get this big black box, right? Hmm. And as you scroll down to the next piece of code, as it fills it in, this is another good, good example. Cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, you get down to step seven and it, the preview jumps out with the with the yellow bar, yellow box, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should go through these. I haven't done any Swift UI in a long time. Yeah, it's just it's cool. I mean, you can turn the preview off too, but yeah, it's it's really really kind of nice to have it sort of show you as you're going through the code what you're supposed to be getting, right? Right. So you know if you screwed up. A lot of times with these tutorials, you'll be typing stuff in, yeah, and you'll kind of get to a point where suddenly it's different, yeah, and like, oh, where did I screw no, up? I sh- it's funny. They're they're actually they're actually they're, I know what you mean. Like like sometimes you do that in the books and stuff like that, but but these ones seem to be very well curated because they, they do mm-hmm. seem to they do seem to it, if there's something going wrong, generally speaking, you did something wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the other day, I was, I was I'm like I'm on the I went through the the um, I'm like halfway through the, the UI kit one and I did something the other day and I and I forgot to make uh, an instance an optional right and uh, and I'm looking at my code and I'm looking at the screen I'm looking at their example I'm, I'm looking at the I cannot for the life of me see the difference right and then you know so I I paste it into BB Edit and then I do a diff on it and then I can say oh I forgot the question mark right but uh, yeah it's like but yeah generally speaking my my code was wrong is what I'm saying right so mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really there's... surprised in this UI kit one that they're talking about table views yeah but you know what it's it's what's interesting about it is is that um what i found was the first time i've sort of seen anything from apple where they they use they, they almost do like a model view view model sort of style right 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 but but the reason that i'm surprised about table views is yeah. because they made such a big deal last year at wbc oh, about the list and stuff about how yeah the future is collection view list configurations yeah yeah which i've yeah. adopted actually they're pretty good they're pretty mm. good um although you have to think is about that a things. new style of collection view like a new yeah design mode yeah oh, okay uh, yeah totally it is yeah it's a it's a it's like um it's built on top of a uh, compositional layout okay. collection view yeah and it basically makes uh it, you can do well the promise is that you can do anything you can do in a table view in one of these just as right. easily now mm-hmm. i found there were a couple of things that you couldn't do but they've <laughs> like one of them is it's Promised in 14.5, but 14.5 doesn't seem to ever want to come out. Uh, right. <laughs> like changing the colors of the separators seems like a fairly obvious one, um, but that's not coming till 14.5. But but anyway, um, one thing that it makes really, really simple to do is these accordion style lists where you can collapse oh, nice, yeah. things just, mm. I mean, just with zero effort at all. You basically just make a, make this uh, object uh, and add children to it. And once you do that, then, and you put that in a list, then suddenly you have a cell with a a nice tappable thing to open the accordion uh, to show the the children of this of this object. It's actually very nice, very easy. There's there's a couple of WDC videos from last year on it that explain it pretty well. But as far as I can tell, you know, table views are you know are are over. They're last, done. last year's news. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. Like I said, because this the set of tutorials, you know, it started out as as um, Swift UI stuff, right? Because because mm-hmm. I did the I went through the the whole Swift UI one they did when it came out, and they went to this one this year. Like this year's uh, uh, tutorial seems, talks about building a, a Scrum uh, timer, right, and records audio and that kind of stuff. It's kind of kind of cool. So it goes through a whole bunch of different 
types of things you can do in in Swift UI. But but this UI Kit one just showed up the other day, right? So yeah. Mm-hmm. So UI Kit is not dead then. UI Kit is not dead. The rumors are greatly exaggerated. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, there's a plus thing here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a Swift UI and a UI Kit uh, tutorial. Yeah. Maybe next year they'll introduce Objective C. Who knows? Yeah. Objective D. <laughs> <laughs> Objective S or Objective X, and then we'll argue about how to pronounce it, right? Right. Objective <laughs> 10. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another show. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev the Hair. All right. Mark, if people want to get in touch with you. Mark R at Snapsoft.com. All right. And my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 Tune in to this podcast. <laughs> this has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fireside.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, leave a comment on the website, or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC, and we may mention you on the show. Friends of the show can also join us on the podcast Slack channel. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on Patreon.com slash MTJC. Every dollar pledged helps a lot. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Did you know we recorded for three and a half hours the other day, I mean? Did we really? Yeah. It was we almost beat Snyder. <laughs> almost beat the Snyder cut. It was it was quite a bit to catch up on because we had, you know, a lot to go on for the, the Justice League Snyder cut. Yeah. We had WandaVision to try to recap, and then mm-hmm. I think you went out to take Mac to pee while we talked about did, yeah. the Falcon and yeah. the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite a quite a quite a time to edit it too. It took me like more, more longer than a normal spot cast. Well, mind you, our Sparkcast episodes always end up being a little over two hours, right? I don't know if that turns people off or not. It's uh, less less structured, so it's a little easier to get. Well, but you know what? It's straightforward because it's just it's easier to edit because it's just it's just a conversation. We're not really you know we never really go anywhere that we shouldn't go and that kind of stuff, right? Right, right. So it's all good. It's all good, speaking, man. Speaking of editing, uh, yeah, tone down my negativity on the M1. I, I didn't really mean it to come out that way. I just started talking and realized, oh shit. I don't know that I took it as <laughs> is like a slam or too negative. I thought it was a, a I don't mean, you know, Tim, it's up to you how you, you hear it. When I heard it live, I was like, oh, this is a pretty good counterbalance to the just like fanboyism that's it's come wonderful. out. I'm like, we hey, love this it. is realistic. Yeah. Like, right. it's good. Right. It didn't change my life, you know, but um, yep. that's yep. actually a pretty good win in my, my opinion. Well, yep. I mean, and that's the thing is like, you know, in, in a lot of reviews you see, people take one side or the other, right? And they, and they either slam the M1 and don't bother buying an M1, or at least that's the, the, the clickbaity lead title, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or, 
or you know, or they'll they'll be, oh my God, you know, throw all your old Macs away, kind of thing, right? Or the the two styles of re- reviews you get, right? But that's why I like the Benny Ritchie ones. He's pre- pretty realistic about stuff too, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I'm I'm definitely not unhappy with this thing at all. That's mm-hmm. you know, that's you made me regret having bought my 2020 MacBook Pro a little less with your review of the M1. So oh, you know, okay, well, you, then, you get a bit of FOMO, right? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so I did some good. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't regret it at all. I mean, for the price point, you know, I'm perfectly happy with it. It was pretty cheap. You know, this this same thing probably would have cost, you know, over 2000 bucks if I bought the, the Intel version. So I'm not unhappy with it at all. It's just, it just is, it, it hasn't lived up to the, you know, the, the hype. The hype. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. But, but it is an entry-level machine. It's not meant to be. Yeah. Right, exactly. Not, not to meant to be like burning off your desk, right? Right. You know, well, and that's actually the best part of it. It generates yeah. no heat. It's not burning anything. It generates oh. no heat. No heat. <laughs> It's funny, you know, because the, the other... Okay, it's the, a little bit warm today because I'm... I am as I've been doing the Zoom call. I've also mm. been uh, crypto mining uh, and oh, running okay. Safari, tuto- okay. looking at the SwiftUI tutorials all at the same time, and it's right. getting a little bit warm to the touch. Yeah, you know, be, my yeah. old machine would have been like a stove, flaming. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, uh, well, I gotta say that it doesn't. Have, it has a fan on the back too, doesn't it? Mark? It does not have a fan. There's no fan. Oh, because because my DTK had a fan, and it, and every now and then I would hear it, like, and I would feel air, warm air mm. coming out the back mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. So. That's have been a different, uh, different mm-hmm. style. Yeah, being yeah. able to use your laptop back on your lap again, which has not been true for decade plus, yeah. is, is <laughs> it sounds like a dumb thing. I'm like, that's probably a huge win, though, right? That you can just yeah. quietly yeah. Now, use Mine's this. a mini. No, it's not a laptop, but yes. Yeah. But mm. yes. And and by the way, when I say I'm, I'm crypto mining, I'm using eight threads to crypto mine. So I'm running at like 800% of CPU here, <laughs> and it's not generating any, any noticeable heat, which is really nice. So maybe I was a little harsh on it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have one, so I don't know. <laughs> I hope to have one soon, but you know. Well, they're not that expensive. All things no, I, and I've got the cre- I've got the credit for the other for the other one. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. Just, I'm waiting. Heading my hedging my bets to see what yeah. what and they, hardware they will going to come out. With. They will announce. I'm I'm like ninety five percent sure they'll announce the sixteen inch, but they won't be out until September or October. Yeah, yeah. Coming up on the end of an era here. So I did the final transfer out of my simple bank account mm. prior to the May eighth transition to BBVA. So. I, I did a really good job of of realizing where the the ACH velocities were for transfers. So did the final transfer should deposit tomorrow. I'll give it another week and a half for ACH reconciliation, and then they actually have as some folks told me there's actually a little handy button in the web, not on not on mobile, where you can go into account settings and there's a there's a close account button. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll do that for what closing out my simple account as the bank. Oh or yeah, the the, the 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 fintech no longer will exist and gets. Oh, really? You know, everybody's eh? mm. uh, oh. accounts gets... I mean, the money was always with BBVA, um, but you'll transition to a BBVA account if uh, you hang around oh, so, past May 8th. So Simple is out of business? Yeah, so PNC bought um, bought merged with BBVA USA, which is the parent company for Simple, Aslo, and a few other things. Mm. And apparently they didn't mm. want any of that, so they're just shutting all that down, which is mm. interesting. Um, but yeah, what's well, uh, coming up on the end of an era. I, when they made that announcement, I was like, oh man, I got to move truckloads of money out of here knowing what i know about ach velocities and i i, I know how to look and see what what's going on i'm like okay I, it's not really reverse engineering because i know it was engineered i'm like oh let me see what's going on here it's like oh okay do the math in my head it's like all right i have to just keep pushing the the limits because there's a limit on how much you can do um you know going outbound per day and outbound 
total per month. I was just like on a regular schedule, just get at the maximum amount every time it gives me the new fresh amount to pull out all the money, move it to other accounts, get my Apple card paid off with, you know, a different account, that sort of thing. I had to map out, I had to map out everything. I was like, okay, which accounts are connected to which? And oh, okay. Okay. So these are the ones I need to move first to have a, a an easier transition. So it, it was like a whole plan that I had. Yeah. You know what I do with my, with, uh, with one password is I put everything that's connected to one card in there. So if any, if I ever lose a card or get stolen or whatever, I could, I just quickly go and see where, where you know, what, what's using it, using that card, right? So you use a note to say like, all right, it'll be this, this, and this service. I add a tag. You can, you can add tags in, in, um, one password, right? Yeah. That's a good way of, I never thought of tags as a way. That's a good way to, to cross. Yeah. Somebody things. pointed it out to me, like, cause, cause he, he had the same problem. He said, like, he uses tag. I got to stole that idea from him. So, you know, I have an RBC card, I have a TD card, you know, and then so, and I know which one goes to which. And so like, you know, I've got a couple of cards that are getting renewed in June. So I'll have to go through and update the, you know, the auto, auto withdrawals or whatever, when the, if the number changes, right. But the expiry date will change, right. Yeah. So I'll have to go through and, you know, and the CVC number on the back and blah, blah, blah. Is it WWDC 21 or WWDC 2021, which might be an actual yeah. Google search that people are looking at? Or how up. about how about the Winds of Winter will be released at WWDC 21? <laughs> winds of Winter? <laughs> that, yeah. You don't get the Winds of Winter reference? That old that's man the, is not going to make the, it. Yeah, that's a long-awaited book six of the Game of Thrones oh, is uh, it? series. <laughs> yeah, it's now, what, something like 15 years since book five came out? Oh, really? And the guy mm. keeps saying, oh, I'm almost done, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. He's been saying that mm. for 10 years now. He's too busy, like, drinking champagne and stuff, right? Yeah, probably. He's doing side stuff. He's like, oh, I'm writing this prequel. Oh, I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I'm doing this yeah. wolf thingy. Oh, um, I signed this. Well, they melted the throne. What else? There is no Game of Thrones anymore. Didn't they melt the throne in the book? Well, the no, book well, has The TV show went ahead of the books, and it's pretty oh. much universally uh, uh, agreed upon that the TV show ruined it. So, oh, yeah? Oh, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, TV show was just awful at the end. Just mm-hmm. awful. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, the, te- the the books ended roughly when uh, roughly when like Arya showed up in the country yeah. on the east in the east, yeah. right? That's when the books ended, and and the Dorne stuff was just getting started. That's when the books ended. Mm. So all the rest of that they made up. Oh, the stuff where where Arya was going around and killing all the people that she yeah that they did her th- none of that was in the books. Yeah, none of that was. In the it books. was not in the books. Nope, nope. Oh, okay, the wall coming down, although that was speculated on, was not in the books. Mm-hmm. Even even Jon Snow was uh was. Was Ray, uh, Radar and uh, Ray, was it Radar? Rayla, what's his name? Targaryen? Radar Tiger? Oh, Rhaegar? Yeah. Rhaegar. Yeah, Rhaegar, Rhaegar. and uh, and Ned Snow's uh, sister's son. That part was not in the books, but it was strongly, strongly hinted at. But never, mm-hmm. never. Oh, even Jon Snow coming back to life still wasn't in the books. Hadn't happened yet. He really? died at the end oh. of book five. Yeah, that's where oh. book five ended. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, they just made up a huge amount of stuff. Yeah. Mm. So there's there's people holding out hope that they can get the the true ending from, right. from the books at the but, end of book seven which was yeah which is due around 2053 the year 2053 <laughs> the way he's going yeah wow yep. if he lives that long no he won't live that long <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's too nice it's it's evil that keeps you going for unreasonable amounts of time right mm. hate makes you right. powerful but right mm. cool yeah 
we're uh, getting ready for a fourth wave of COVID because people are being stupid again, like spring break. Are you in a fourth wave? We're just starting our third. You guys are way ahead of us. Yeah. Yeah. People are, I mean, there's just huge crowds of people partying down in Florida again. So it's just a race now. You know, can we, can we vaccinate enough people before the stupid people all catch the disease and go home and spread it to everyone? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, the thing is that, you know, the the sad part is if we all get vaccinated, it doesn't mean COVID's going to go away. It just means the effect of it is going to be less. Right. We, yeah. Well, we're unclear if we'll need a, a yearly flu shot kind of thing for COVID uh, to get yeah. rid of the, the variants. Well, based on the I mean, variants, I, I mean, would in, think. Yeah. In, theory, in theory, if you vaccinate enough people and isolate the people who uh, do catch it, then you can pretty much eradicate it like they did with, you know, smallpox or polio. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but yeah, but no one's claiming that's actually going to happen. It's just going to reduce the numbers a lot. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Mac needs to go outside. Okay. He's telling me. All right. So, all right. Well, she call About it that time. Okay. Sounds Talk good. Later. See you guys next, next time. time. Yep. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.